sitting in tonight for Jay Zimbauer. Seems like I was here just a week or so ago, but <laughs> I am back, and uh, hopefully Jay got back in the swing of things last time on the, the show, and uh, he should be back next week, and I'm doing my routine uh, monthly substitution here for Jay. So I just remind you, the listeners, when you call in, that I am a certified lubrication specialist. I am not an ASE certified mechanic. So being as forthright as I can, I wouldn't want to mislead you with any mechanical questions. But if you want to talk about uh, engine oil, transmission fluid, gear lubes, additives, we'll even talk some about additives. I don't like most of them, but we'll talk about them. And uh, we can talk about fuel additives, filters. We talked about filters last time I was on the air and had a good discussion, had some follow-up calls from folks. And by the way, if you've been trying to reach me via my website, thelubepage.com, seems that uh, Google uh, did me a favor and uh, interrupted my normal uh, ability to receive those transmissions from the website. So if you went and never got an answer and things didn't seem to work, uh, go back to thelubepage.com and fill out the contact form, and I'll actually receive it this time. I, I'm sure of it. I thought I was receiving all the rest until I was notified by Google that I had failed to reapply something. Anyway, I'm no computer expert by any means, but if you tried to contact me and you were not able to, try it again at thelubepage.com, and I promise I'll answer your questions. i got a couple there that I saw once I got the thing working right that i got to answer, and I'll get to those in the next day or so. Now, tonight... I want to talk to you about lightweight oils because it is so important. And I remind you, though, that we do take calls here, and I'd love to get your calls and answer your questions. And that number here, 407-674-1025, that's 407-674-1025, or toll-free, 855-545-1025. So don't hesitate to call me. I'll always break into my monologue in order to answer your question, no doubt about it. What do I mean when I say lightweight oils? Well, believe it or not, that would be 20 or 30 weight oils. Uh, originally, back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, almost all cars were using 40 weight oils, and that was pretty much the standard. Only became in the 80s that we started to see a wholesale shift to 30 weight oils. And by the 90s, that was just pretty solid. Everything was coming out with 30-weight uh, oil requirements. Now, post-2000, we've got more and more 20-weight oil uh, requirements coming into the marketplace. And so when I'm talking to you about lightweight oils, I'm talking about really 30 and 20, but 
with more emphasis today on 20-weight oils even than the 30s because 20-weight oils present some unique problems, and they have to be manufactured uh, taking these things into consideration so that you can get the adequate protection for your car or truck or whatever you're running that 20-weight oil in. One of the things that has happened in the last 30 years is that the thermostat temperatures for cars has continued to go up. Now, part of this is requirements for uh, higher fuel efficiency and less emissions if possible. When you run these cars at uh, sometimes higher temperatures, you get less emissions. So the Environmental Protection Agency is requiring uh, that emissions are cut and that you achieve certain standards. So we see the thermostat temperature cars going from 1950s, 1960s, 165 to 1980s, 180, 1990s, 190, 195 degrees. And the 2000 and plus time frame, we're talking about a lot of 205 and even seeing some 210 degree thermostats. Now, if you're going to run the coolant at that temperature, uh, you have to have a pressurized system because otherwise, pretty soon, you're really boiling some water. So we see now improved systems with running sometimes 10 or 15 pounds of pressure in the uh, radiator system in order to keep the water from boiling when we take it up there in places to above 212 degrees and it wants to boil. So we got to contend with that. Well, on the oil side, while we've been raising the temp thermostat temperature, we've been making the oil requirements thinner and thinner. Now, these are not two compatible things. If I want to run higher temperatures, typically I would run thicker oil so that it maintains a film or a thickness sufficient to protect the parts when it's at high temperature. But along comes the requirements uh, that we want to have higher fuel economy, and so thinner oils are provided and pumped faster through the engine in order to have less drag, less what they call hydraulic drag of the oil, and we can improve fuel economy, especially in cold or cool weather. So we're kind of fighting against ourselves. We're trying to raise the temperature and thin the oil. And now that we have reached where we have lots of 20-weight oil in the marketplace, the question is, are we really achieving this? Are we getting the protection we need with these thinner oils at these higher temperatures? So I want to try to describe for you a couple of things in the lubrication industry that we discuss in these areas. Oil, depending upon its weight or viscosity, has what's called a normal operating band. And what that means is that within that those temperatures and that temperature band, that oil is, hey, fat, dumb, and happy, okay? I mean, really, that's the best way to look at it. There's nothing threatening it. It's keeping its viscosity good. It's not oxidizing. It's not vaporizing bad. It's just fat, dumb, and happy, okay? Now, for a lot of oil, uh, that's not a problem, even with the raised temperatures on the thermostat, because we got upper ends of that normal operating band. Get outside of that, we move into what we call in the industry the infrequent operating band, or the I'm-not-so-comfortable band now. I was fat, dumb, and happy down at that other temperature. Now you've pushed me up here, and I'm really being stressed. I'm not having a good day for the oil. What would those temperatures be? Well, let's talk about 
20-weight oil to begin with because this is the one that has the most concern. If you are using what would have been a regular old-fashioned petroleum-based stock and you make this 20-weight oil, the top end of that normal operating band is about 230 degrees. You say, oh, well, good, that's above my thermostat because my thermostat's 200, so that's good. I'm I'm not in that, uh, oh, my God, range or anything else. It's doing okay. Well, let's talk about that a minute, and let me explain one physical thing for just a moment. If I want to transfer heat, right, let's look at putting that frying pan on the burner on the stove. The burner on the stove, electric stove, that burner has to get hot hotter than the frying pan before it will transfer heat to the frying pan. Okay, that's called heat transfer number one. You got to have a high temperature transfer to a low temperature. Okay, that's the way heat transfer works. So in your engine, you have to understand that the water in the engine cools the upper end of the engine. It's called the water jacket. Runs around, cools the upper side of the engine. Does not cool the lower end. Doesn't cool the bottom end of the pistons or any of those things. Oil cools that. Well, that oil has to get hot enough to transfer its heat to the water. So if the water is 200 degrees, the oil has to be at a higher temperature than the water or it won't transfer heat to it, and you never get rid of the heat, right? So we'll just establish, as they say in court, we'll stipulate to the fact that oil runs at a higher temperature than water. That's a fundamental fact that we have to deal with. How much higher does oil run than water? Well, believe it or not, it'll run in a band of 25 to 75 degrees hotter than the thermostat temperature. Why is that an important number? Well, if my thermostat is 205 and I have 25 degrees, my engine's under no load, it's just tooling along, and I've only got a 25-degree higher temperature of oil, the oil's already at 230 degrees. I just told you that the upper limit for regular petroleum-based 20-weight oil is 230 degrees. So what that means is I'm right on the operating band. If anything causes my engine to go under more load, I turn on the air conditioner, I put two additional bodies in the car, whatever I'm doing, and that engine starts to build more heat and that oil moves up to a higher differential temperature, all of a sudden I am out of the normal operating band and I'm into the infrequent band where the oil is not a happy camper and it's suffering different things now we're going to come back and take this discussion on into what happens and how we can do some things to address this after the break because it's very important because i would say you guys out there driving right now 25 to 30 percent of you are driving cars with 20 weight oil in it this is important for you to listen to we'll be back right after these messages And welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in for Jay Zimbauer tonight talking about oil and its effects on your car and trying to make sure you are armed with the information you need to give your car the best protection you can. And as always, we will take calls on a priority. So we're going to go right to Jake from Winter Park. What can I do for you, Jake? Hi, Jake. I have a 2007 expedition with... uh Right at a hundred thousand miles, ninety-nine thousand miles, and I've, I've been listening and with with a lot of attention to what you're saying about temperature and viscosity, and and I'm curious as to whether or not I should be moving. I've always used conventional oil. I've never gone to synthetic, 
and I'm uh, I'm concerned about whether or not with the age of the vehicle, the mileage of the vehicle, the temperatures living in Orlando, Winter Park area, um, should I be going to a thicker oil, or, or what's the deal? So let me ask you this. In, the, in your expedition, uh, what uh, weight of oil are you currently running? Uh, my my knowledge of it, <laughs> honestly, I believe it is a 2050, but I am not positive of that. Well, you could be. Some people would run 2050. I would tell you that there's not really. You there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, I'm I'm talking to you, but uh, your cell phone might have dropped out. But uh, you can probably hear me on the radio. If you're using 2050, that's too thick of oil for an everyday operating vehicle. Uh, it's just no use to do that. Now, in a 2007, I'd have to look it up myself. That might be when Ford had started talking, probably is, about uh, using 5W20, okay? And uh, with the age you got on the car and the stuff, I would actually recommend that you head on to the 5W30 in this application. Uh, with 100,000 miles. But I will tell you that this brings up a whole different discussion about this idea of 20-weight versus the 30-weight oils and what's going to happen. And here's the number one thing that I would say. Um, You first have to be careful in these situations with your warranty, okay? Number one, now, you probably do not have a warranty on this vehicle 2007 with, uh, you know, 100,000 miles. But but here's what I'm, I'm pointing out. If your warranty on that vehicle is in effect, you have to be very careful not to use the 5W20 that Ford recommends. I have already been involved in a couple of, uh, let's say, contentious situations where somebody was trying to get their warranty to, cover cost and Ford was really giving them a hard time because they had not been using the 520 they'd been using a 530. Now, it doesn't matter whether I would agree that the 530 is okay. Their warranty is at issue here, so I will never tell you to use something that will go against your warranty. I will tell you to try to use the very best product that will support what your warranty calls for. For example, if it calls for 5W20, I'm going to tell you to use 5W20 and to use the Amsoil Signature Series as the 5W20 of your choice. Now, you can use Amsoil XL, and you could use Mobile Platinum. These are oils that, in the 20-weight oils, have the best temperature uh, reserve. In other words, they can handle the most uh, punishment from temperature and really protect you. What you cannot do is use a cheap, 5W20 petroleum and get away with it for long term. You may get away with it short term, but somewhere out there, maybe even 100, 120,000, 150,000 miles, you probably lose so much compression that uh, it, you're going to have to go get the engine rebuilt because uh, nobody, in fact, most of the companies have even stopped making a real petroleum 5W20. They're making, uh, they're having to use what they call an improved petroleum base stock in order just to try to make it work because it that oil is just being asked to do something it's not physically qualified to do, okay? So if you got 100,000 miles on a 2007 expedition, my personal recommendation is it's off of warranty. I would use a good quality 5W30 synthetic engine oil. And as usual, the ones I recommend, I would recommend you use the AMS oil 
signature series, and I'll 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 come back to that later. But that's to answer your question and to tell you that if you're out there and you've got 20 weight oil for your car and it's on your warranty, just be very careful about not running what your manufacturer calls for while you're under warranty, because these guys will find any reason on earth not to honor that warranty if they can get out of it. So don't give them an excuse. Stick with what they call for during the warranty period. Once that warranty's over, we can talk about some different things because I don't think a lot of those, like the 2007 range, I don't know that they're best protected by a 20-weight oil, but when they're under warranty, you better stick with it. Okay, now, we were talking about the normal operating band and the infrequent operating band, and then there's one above that. We'll just call it the oh, my God band because that's when the oil's turning. It's not even there. It's becoming smoke, okay? Now, so how do you deal with this, that the the, the 20-weight oil as a 230-degree upper level? Well, just like this gentleman that called said, you could go to a 30-weight oil. That raises it to about 250, okay? That'd give you some more temperature range. One thing, though, that I would say you could do while you're under warranty and you want to make sure that you don't get at cross-purposes with your manufacturer's warranty and you're going to continue with the 20-weight oil is use a 20-weight synthetic that's actually a high-performance quality synthetic, and it'll raise that normal operating band to over 300 degrees, and you won't even come close to it. So you don't even have to worry about that anymore. You know now that no matter what happens, unless you catch the car on fire, that you're not going to exceed the normal operating band for this high-quality synthetic that you put in the car. Best way to describe this is you're a guy that's got a just the finest-looking Porsche car you've ever seen, and you got to put tires on it. Well, you go look, and uh, Pirelli tells you, hey, I'll sell you some radials that are good for 160 miles an hour, load range C, temperature range C, all kinds of these things. Man, you can't smoke them. They're going to do good. Another guy says, well, what about if I just sell you a good set of uh, 40,000-mile radials, right? You go, well, what's the high-speed range on these? Oh, uh, 90 miles an hour. What's the uh, temperature range? Oh, uh, it's a temperature range A. It's, you know. And you say, well, that's not going to do. My my Porsche is going to run. I'm going to take her, and I'm going to. I get some road races with guys, not out on the street, but I can go to places down to Sebring, and they let us run them on the racetrack. So I need something that'll handle really high speed and high temperatures. Say, okay, well then you're going to have to spend the money and buy that high performance Pirelli radial, and it's going to do the job for you. It's the same thing with the oil. You can buy the product that will give you the protection in this situation with the 20-weight oil, or you can buy the one that won't. It, it's just it's that simple. And if you buy the one that won't, just like those tires, that Porsche might run around all the time on the streets here doing nothing, never have a problem. Then one day get into a situation where it was running fast and hard, and the tire blows out at the wrong time, and the whole Porsche is gone, and hopefully he lived through it. Okay. Same thing for your engine. You could get around and things not be going bad, and then one day you get into a really bad situation. The engine gets really hot because of, all the, uh, like the perfect storm, it's, you know, you're sitting on uh, a 1792 and it's August and it's 100 degrees and the asphalt's 140 and you got the air conditioner running wide open and that was the day that you decided to uh, pull the uh, jet skis on the trailer behind you and everything reaches maximum temperature and you start to have really a near meltdown. And you don't see it, but inside the engine, the oil is losing its ability to lubricate. The rings are just scalding, and, and 
They're starting to wear bad, and you're starting to get wear on the camshaft bearings. All these things are happening. You don't see them. And then about a year later, you hear everything knocking, and the thing doesn't have any power because it's losing compression around the rings, and it all goes back to this event where you didn't have adequate margin to severe conditions. And that's one of the reasons why for these 28 oils, I recommend everybody find a high-quality synthetic and run it for these 28s. You do realize that Toyota calls for synthetic bumper-to-bumper for the last four years, and it's all 20-weight oil. Why? Because they know. They know, and they don't want the warranty and the issues they had back in the late 90s with a bunch of their cars because of oil breaking down. They just don't want it anymore. So now they've actually brought their own oil company with them, which, you know, for guys like me, that's not good, but they did bring their own oil company called Enos, E-N-N-O-S, and uh, they make synthetic. And that's all they put in the vehicles, bumper to bumper, okay? So we need to take heed of these things. The people in the know have decided that you can't protect these cars with 20-weight oil unless you use a proper synthetic. So we'll carry this on, and give me a call here at 407-674-1025. We'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in for Jay Zimbauer tonight. I am a certified lubrication specialist, and I'm here answering questions and discussing oil lubrication requirements for your car. And I encourage you to uh, listen and to learn as much as you can because in the world of automotive maintenance, you are the key person to make sure that you get the right lubricants in your car. Now, when you go into any type of uh, quick lube or a tire store or anywhere to have your car serviced, you should be the one that dictates what it's serviced with, okay? Uh, do your homework. Go online. Check out these different oils, different things. Uh, I would tell you that there's a, there's a lot of bad oil in the marketplace. Uh, the trade... Uh, publications that I read are just uh, a beat with story after story of oil companies being busted for uh, manufacturing products that don't meet the standards and are not even what the label says is not in the bottle. Uh, This has happened mostly up in the Midwest, and the states have just become uh, onerous about it. Uh, Up in Indiana, they've... uh, actually find a company more than the company was worth. So the company went out of business. Well, they should because of five different oils that were sampled on the shelf, not a single one of the oils had in the bottle what it said on the label. Okay, so that's just pure fraud. So they were not, uh, they were not, they didn't find that humorous. And uh, they find this company immensely. And uh, in um, St. Louis area, well, I guess it went out across the whole state of Missouri, but they kicked two companies out of the state and fined them for selling products that were labeled and it wasn't what was in the bottle. So how do you deal with this? And and I tell you that the way you deal with it is look for names you recognize of companies that have good reputations. And they're not, you know, Valvoline or Castrol or Mobil. In these companies, they're not going to make some 
substandard product like that that's going to uh, – they live on their reputation for years of making oil. They're not going to do that. But when you find, you know, Billy Bob's Elixir or something, uh, be a little, uh, you know, skeptical that that might be a good oil. So now, you probably would never buy that yourself. But what you got to be careful of is when you take your car somewhere to have it serviced. And they say, oh, well, we've got uh, – this is the oil that we use. This is what our price is on the marquee for is that oil. And you go, I've never heard of that. What is it? And they go, oh, that's good stuff. And you go, well, it's not good stuff for my car. Uh, we're going to have to use something that I recognize because until I have time to do my own research on the Internet and find out who this company is, I don't want it in my car. And that's how you keep yourself safe, okay, is by being skeptical. Use what's called professional skepticism. If it doesn't sound right, doesn't look right, it's probably not right. And the uh, Ask for things by name. You tell them, no, listen, I want to, I'd rather that you put, uh, I don't know, uh, mobile in my car, okay? Or, uh, hey, I think that Amsoil is a reputable company, and I want you to put Amsoil in my car. But you make sure you ask for products by name, and you get good, high-quality products. And these cars made today, these things will last 500,000 miles if you take care of them. They are really well-engineered across the board. The the mechanics that I know just tell me that these cars are built to specs that the guys would have been building them in the old days, what they call a uh, blueprinted engine, right? Uh, balanced and blueprinted, which meant that it was just perfectly made, all the specs for racing. Today, with all the computer manufacturing techniques, computer lathes and so forth, these things are made to perfection. You get it, you're ready to run it, you can take care of it and keep it. There are... Uh, Plenty of incidents, both that are written out and that I've witnessed myself, where vehicle, one that I know of, with 831,000 miles on it, running Amsoil Signature Series oil from day one, and the hatch marks, the machining hatch marks on the cylinders were still there. It had had zero wear, because those wear off under normal conditions. No wear whatsoever, 831,000 miles. So just let me tell you, there's good oils out there that will provide you with that kind of protection. But you have to seek them out. You have to understand them. You have to ask for them. And you have to expect to pay for them. You can't get quality for nothing. It's just a simple fact. If you pay nothing, you'll probably get nothing. So ask for products. Demand what you want. Get good products. That goes over the whole vehicle. Jay would tell you if he was in here that if it's the same thing when you get brakes. It's the same thing when you when you go for parts for your car, starters, alternators, uh, new radiators, whatever you're getting. If the price is too good to be true, it's probably too good. And there are good, high-quality parts available, and you need to tell your mechanic when you're getting your vehicle repaired. Hey, listen, I want you to go ahead and spend extra money and get me a high quality replacement part i don't want some aftermarket thing that was made in china that's going to break down next week okay if we're going to spend the money to fix this thing fix it right and that's the same thing when it comes to the lubricants in your car you can get high quality lubrication you just need to ask for it and expect to pay for it but the important thing is you get what you pay for and in some of these oils on the marketplace today i'm telling you it's glorified petroleum being labeled as uh, synthetic. And I've spoken here before of the idea of running a blend in your car. I would submit to you that if you buy any blend, you have no idea what you bought because there's no requirement for you to know what you bought. 
There's no regulatory agency that says, oh, well, that's a blend that's got to be 50% synthetic and 50% petroleum. Nope, doesn't exist. Most people would say the rule of thumb is you got to have at least 5% synthetic in it where you can call it a synthetic blend. Now, but that's 5% of what kind of synthetic? Oh, it could be that really, you know, inexpensive glorified petroleum that people are calling synthetic, and they could mix that in with some other petroleum and then call it a blend, synthetic blend, and then charge you twice as much for it as petroleum, and you didn't get anything. So this is what I'm trying to advise you of, is be careful. There's not the protections in the marketplace for this kind of stuff that you actually would just assume is there. It's not there. Now, I told you that I would speak, might speak a little bit about additives. This is my biggest objection to any kind of additive that you would buy, that you pour that pint of or eight ounces, whatever you want to pour in your car. Make sure you hear this well as I say it. There is not a single regulatory department, organization in anybody's government the United States federal government, the state government, or the local government that regulates additives. It is the complete laissez-faire, buyer beware. You get whatever you think you get, and if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. There is no certifying agency that says, oh, yeah, what they told you on that additive is true. Nobody verifies it. The only time additives get challenged is when they get sued. And when they finally get sued, they go out of business. He said, good, we got rid of them. No, they go to another offshore place and start another additive company and go on the Internet and go crazy with all their advertising for the same product under a different label, and people go out and buy it because they think, well, they couldn't sell that in the United States unless it was true, unless it's certified to do what it says. There's no agency that tests it, inspects it, or certifies. None whatsoever. So when you deal with additives, recognize there may be a good additive out there. Who knows? Because there is no independent certification or check by any governmental agency to determine if that additive does anything except transfer money from your pocket to their pocket. So if you understand that, you would understand then why I am skeptical of additives. Okay? All right, so we're going to take a break, pay a few bills, and when we come back, hey, give me a call. Welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson, certified lubrication specialist, sitting in for Jay Zimbauer tonight. Jay will be back next week. And uh, we've been talking about some of the things that I I caution you about in the lubrication industry, and I just uh, ran off with the diatribe about additives, you know, oil additives. Uh, And I'm just going to finish that up by reemphasizing to you that these additives are not certified by anyone, no one, period. The only time they get challenged is when they get sued. Now, the last time an additive was sued, and I don't name them by name, just one of the additives that was sued was actually by one of the big oil companies because they got tired of hearing what this additive was supposed to be doing and how it was going to improve all the oil. And all they did was sue and in court ask for the additive manufacturer to simply produce the test, show the results, uh, and have the the test in, uh, done under observation by qualified engineers to see that this works. They couldn't produce anything. They couldn't produce any tests. They'd never done any tests. All it was was advertising. And so they agreed to go out of business. It disappeared. 
of course, they came back under a different name in a different place. They like to have these corporations that are set up in the Bahamas or in the Virgin Islands, those kind of things, and then come back on, and boy, do they love the fact we've got this big Internet now because you can just do all kind of sales on the Internet, and people don't know. It's like that stupid commercial that they used to have. I saw it on the Internet, and if it was on the Internet, it must be true. You know, well, it isn't, and you have to be very skeptical on these things. And so when it comes to additives, um, you know, their success is in the eye of the beholder. So just be careful. Don't waste your money. Now, we were talking about uh, these lightweight oils and their temperature ranges and and how they work. One last area I want to really caution you on, because there's a lot of cars these days, and even some of the big diesels, got all these turbos coming in the market. There's a turbocharged gasoline Volkswagen, there's a turbocharged diesel Volkswagen, there's turbocharged Mazdas, there's turbocharged uh, Duramax diesels, there's turbochargers popping up all over the marketplace. Why are they there? Well, because if I use a turbo, not only can I control the gas coming in, but I can really meter and control the amount of air that comes into this engine, and then my computer can be set up to really fine-tune and control the combustion process. So, They're going to come more of them in the future because they're going to give cars the ability out of a small engine to have incredible fuel efficiency and a lot of power when you kick that turbo in. So what does that mean to us in the lubrication world when we're talking about turbos? Well, turbos operate by having a little uh, fan blade, if you will, a little turbo blade that's in the exhaust, okay, and it uses the discharge of the exhaust to turn that wheel which goes through the housing, and on the other end of that shaft is the actual turbo blade that pressurizes, picks up the air, and jams it into the engine, okay? So you can imagine if I'm running the turbo with a wheel in the exhaust, we're going to talk about some things getting pretty hot. And the truth is, under certain conditions in some turbo applications, you can get up to 600 degrees in that area of the turbo. Now, if you've got oil coming through there to lubricate the bearing that's lubricating that shaft the turbo's turning on, and it's got to endure these kind of temperatures, you got a real problem on your hand because we just talked about normal operating band temperatures, and there's not anybody that will claim to have a normal operating band that's 600 degrees, okay? So what you have to do is move that oil through there fast, okay? Now, what we're finding is in some turbo cars, BMW turbos, they're using a 40-weight oil. Imagine that. They've decided that you can't go down to this thin-weight oil in this turbocharged car because they want to make sure that turbo lasts. And one of my German repair shops has had a slew of failed turbos coming in on BMWs. Now, these are guys that aren't under warranty. They're no longer over the BMW place. And what they find out is once these people got off to doing their own maintenance, they went to the quick lubes and went here and there, and they got just whatever good oil they thought would be fine, and they just smoked these turbos because regular oil cannot hack it so what do you got to do well spend forty five hundred dollars and fix your turbo and then put the right oil in right okay and what it turns out is that when you go to the european auto specs and you start to learn something about them you find out that oil rated for those turbos is high performance synthetic engine oil not a north american petroleum oil that can't handle a bicycle much less a turbo okay so What do we find out here? Again, it is that you have to always fail in the direction of overkill. 
always be sure that you have provided more protection than what is the minimum. You can wait a minute now. The American Petroleum Institute says that is an SN-rated engine oil. It's good to go. It should satisfy everything. Recognize the American Petroleum Institute, good organization. They established the minimum requirement for that oil to be used. Minimum, not maximum. So companies like General Motors, they decided, you know what, that minimum just doesn't hack it. They came out with what they call DEXOS. That's a certification that you have to meet for an oil to meet the General Motors specification. Why did they do it? Well, I listened to their vice president of operations explain that once on the radio. And what he said was that General Motors liked the idea of putting the oil change reminder light in the dash. And if I can explain how that thing works, but it's a computer-type program that makes it work. Well, they have to assume a certain quality oil to start with. And then it says, okay, if you have all these conditions, it's going to start subtracting mileage and pretty soon it's going to tell you to change your oil. But what they found out is they couldn't even come close to making that thing work because the oil that was available in the marketplace was so substandard that they were asking it to actually go longer than it could possibly go. So they came out with their own spec because they were overly concerned for the lack of quality in normal API-rated oils. And now you'll find this Dexos requirement is all over the place for GM. And you go into a place, and if you've got a General Motors vehicle that makes a wonderful vehicle, you take it in. You better make sure that that lube place or whatever is using a Dexos-rated oil because GM stands on that. If you don't use it for your warranty, you'll be paying your own your own bill, okay? Caterpillar has their own spec because they don't trust the oil, okay? So this is common going on all over the place now, okay? And so what does that mean? That means that you, again, have to go find the high-quality oil that's going to satisfy your vehicle and protect your vehicle. And, folks, you're going to have to pay something for it. You don't get high quality for nothing. But if you get the quality you pay for, you don't look for any change. You got what you paid for. You wanted that high quality. You get that high quality. You protect your vehicle. You've got your money's worth. You made a good purchase to do that. And my goal here on the radio before I run out of time is simply to tell you that you're the only person that will make sure that happens. You have to do it, okay? I'll be back in about a month, I think, this time. It'll be about a month until next month on the first Wednesday of the month. I'll be back. I've enjoyed it. Jay will be back next week. So until next time, keep rolling. Those spark plug wires are a little too long, and your main prod spawner's nearly gone. Your injector ports are stripped, and that ain't all. Your torque converter's running low on the torque, and that water pump's nearly down a quart. We caught it all in time, so you're in luck. 